Hey everyone, before we get started, I just wanted to say uh, this episode's sound quality might not be quite what you're used to. Uh, I left my microphone at home when I was packing to come up for the holidays. So this episode and the next episode, the Adagio, will have a different sound quality. Uh, It will not become a habit. It was just uh, an error of enthusiasm for packing for the holidays. Please forgive me. I appreciate you. I hope you had a wonderful holiday if you celebrated. Let's get into the episode. Hello, my beautiful Tropicanas. Welcome back to the Ricardo Project, the podcast where I talk about I Love Lucy uh, episode by episode. Oh no, I'm out of practice. This is the podcast where I watch I Love Lucy episode by episode, and I talk about its emotional, comedic, and historical impact. My name is Dana. I'm so glad you're with me today. I am a little late on this episode. I do apologize. I lost my voice as a result of being super sick over the Christmas holiday, but I am back. Um, I am in a quarantine out of an abundance of caution, and uh, I am recording this at my mother's house. So we are here today to talk about episode 11 of season one, which is Drafted, which premiered uh, 70 years ago and a couple of days. It premiered on Christmas Eve, December 24th, 1951. Kind of a weird choice for a Christmas episode, if you ask me, but that's okay. So here's what happens in Drafted. We open on Lucy yet again cleaning her living room. This seems to be kind of the way they want to open every episode. This time she's sweeping, but she's sweeping a room that we've established as a carpet, so I'm a little confused. Ethel brings up the mail to kind of start the scene. And we get another great Ethel is nosy bit right off the bat because Lucy can't read some of a postcard that she's received and Ethel fills it all in, including what time the card was postmarked. And I, I'm loving that we're only in episode 11. I think this has come up at least twice. This is a very consistent part of Ethel's personality. It's not made for this episode's like plot trajectory. So Lucy being Lucy, of course, she takes great offense at Ethel's snooping and she has this moment where she wants to kind of prove that she's much better about these things than Ethel is. And so she says, this is a letter to Ricky from the war department. I'm not going to open it. And then of course, when she realizes what she's just said out loud, she jumps to the conclusion that this letter must mean that Ricky has been drafted to serve in the war. She then quote unquote, accidentally opens the letter and it says, You are hereby ordered to report to Fort Dix, New Jersey, Monday at three o'clock. And that means that Ricky's been drafted to Lucy and she immediately starts to cry. Ethel suggests she go shopping to take her mind off this. And she says that while she's out, she'll buy some yarn so she can knit Ricky some socks for his, his uniform, which is just unbelievably cute to me. So Ricky comes home and he starts chatting with Fred And it's promptly explained that Ricky is going to Fort Dix to entertain the troops. He's not going to enlist. And I just want to say at this point that I completely understand why Lucy was confused. There was nothing about performing for the troop in that letter. That letter was an order, very strict. Ricky says that you can't even scratch yourself without orders in the army. Ha ha ha. But I'm kind of on team Lucy here. I would have jumped to a similar conclusion. So Ricky invites Fred to join him and do one of his routines from his vaudeville days, 
which is our first time establishing that Fred Mertz was in vaudeville, which is very exciting because this is something that continues throughout the course of the series. It's a huge part of the Mertz uh, family history, and I love that it's showing up so early and is such a big part of this episode. So Fred mentions that he's going to let Ethel know where he where he's going to be because they're supposed to go to dinner that night. And Ricky says not to because then Lucy will want to get in on the act. And Fred asks why she couldn't just sing a song or something for the troops. And Ricky says it wouldn't be patriotic to let Lucy sing, which got like very little laugh from the audience. I think it should have gotten a bigger one. I think that's a very good line. Super funny. So Lucy comes home. And so Lucy comes home. She's bought a hat. She tries to get Ricky to tell her that he's been drafted. He plays coy. And the scene, she just keeps crying. She cannot stop crying. And that's that's basically how the scene ends. She puts on her new hat to demonstrate. She just looks so miserable. He tells her she looks real cute. And she wails while he's saying, I'm glad. And then the scene ends with her just sobbing in the bedroom. So then we cut to Ethel and Fred's apartment. And this is only the second time we've seen this. The first time was in Be a Pal. That's where they played poker. So it's nice to, to kind of get out of the Ricardo apartment and get away from the Tropicana too and have other spaces established. So Ethel's drinking some tea. Lucy comes to knit. And Ethel starts crying because Fred has told her that he's going with Ricky on Monday, which means that he must have enlisted in the army. Because to quote Ethel, they're not hard up enough to have drafted him. So he must have enlisted. So then the girls both knit and wail and knit and wail. We cut back to the boys. They're practicing a Civil War number that Fred did in vaudeville. And it's, again, it's so nice to see Fred's showmanship. And it's fun to see Ricky learning something new and kind of not being in charge for once. And he, he's kind of a mess in the rehearsal. And he finally tells Fred that he has a lot on his mind because Lucy's acting really strange. He says she's crying a lot. She's knitting. Fred immediately decides that that means that Lucy's pregnant. Ricky is so excited. His little face lights up. Every time it comes up that Ricky might be a father, he he just gets this like childlike wonder on his face. It's happened a couple times. It's so sweet. Um, In the course of their conversation, Fred realizes that Ethel's been acting the same, and that means that she must be pregnant too. But instead of acting all excited about being a father, he crumples to the ground in agony. But I just want to say that all of this led me to the conclusion that this means that the Mertzes have a sex life. Because why would Fred believe that Ethel could be pre- He knows how babies are made. And that, to me, is just a fascinating implication based off their relationship. I, I, I just, it blew my mind to come to that realization. Anyway, Ricky suggests throwing them a baby shower, and they decide to do it the night before they go to Fort Dix, and they'll do their soldier act for the attendees, which is a weird place to do a soldier act, but all right, whatever. There's a lot of cuts in this episode. So now we're back with Lucy and Ethel. They're still knitting. Lucy has made a mess of the sock she's trying to knit. So she's going to try for a blanket with it instead. Very cute. And they decide to throw the boys a going away party. And it's going to be the same night that the boys have chosen to throw the girls a baby shower. So you can see where this is going. Lucy and Ethel are getting ready for the party. Ethel looks gorgeous. I love that dress. She's worn it before or she'll wear it again. It's a really great dress that that features pretty heavily for her. Um, 
The girls' guests are going to come to the front door, which they've left unlocked. Then it cuts to the boys, and they're they're talking about how their guests are going to come through the kitchen door. Chaos is about to ensue. They're all in the living room, nervous for the surprise, trying to figure out a way to get their guests in without the others noticing. The girls ask the boys to get them glasses of water so that they can hide their guests. They sneak them into the closet. The boys bring them milk because that's better for them. And they tell the girls that their noses are shiny so that they have to go to the bedroom to powder their nose so that they can put their guests in the closet. It's very silly. It's very slapstick. It's super fun. Finally, after doing this three or four times, they they kind of confess. We know you're pregnant. We know you're going into the army. Everything gets explained away. It's very cute. The, 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 the ladies, before they find out that the boys are doing a performance, they ask to see them in their uniforms and they come in in their civil war uniforms. And Lucy has a great line where she says they're fighting on opposite sides. And then everything gets explained away. And the episode ends with them realizing that they've left all their guests in the closet and they're in this big giant amoeba of a person and they have to separate them and they're all bent over like pretzels. It's very cute and funny. Lovely little way to end this episode. And that's the episode. It's really weird, guys. I'm not going to lie to you. This one is a head scratcher for me. So what did I think? (laughs) So I love when, when sitcoms take on heavy things. I think that was what was so successful about WandaVision, for example. It took these like familiar, safe sitcom environments and it talked about some really heavy stuff. And I, I think a sitcom is really a perfect vehicle to talk about something super heavy because it does have that safety that we've talked about and that sense of nostalgia and that sense of comfort. And so we can talk about familiar things that are sad or familiar things that are scary or familiar things that are hard knowing that it's going to be okay because we're in a sitcom. And I think that's a really powerful thing because it can give you permission to process something really hard knowing that you're not in danger. So while I'm not opposed at all to this topic being used in I Love Lucy, and in fact, I really love that they acknowledge there was a war happening that would have affected the people watching. But I just don't think that this episode like sings the way that it could. It just, it takes a while to ramp up. Like, I don't know if the audience just wasn't good that night or what, but the laughs just weren't there in the way that they could have been for me. I actually think the script was funnier than the audience's response to it was, if that makes sense. Like, he, they didn't laugh too much at that it wouldn't be patriotic line, which was very funny to me. Something was off about it. It just wasn't quite right. It wasn't clicking in. It wasn't connecting to the people who were watching it live. And I think that that affects the energy and the flow and the rhythm of the actual episode when you're watching it. Something about sitcoms with laugh tracks is that um, the laughter from the audience functions as its own part of the rhythm of the script. We pause for the laughter. The laughter cues us to laugh, but also the actors are accounting for it when they're planning out their beats. So actors in stage comedies, actors in sitcoms with live audiences, when they're working out the structure and, and the beats of the scene, They're accounting for the fact like this is a funny line. There might be a laugh, pause, work on your reaction, et cetera. And this episode kind of showcases what it's like when there's no laughing and when you've kind of accounted incorrectly. 
And I, I think it does mess with the, the flow of the, of the episode a little bit, and it makes it less pleasant to witness. As a viewer, you just have to work a lot harder to enjoy the nuances of it. And that's a weird position to put your audience in, is I guess the point I'm trying to make. And, and I wonder if this was like affected by the fact that they chose to talk about war on their Christmas Eve episode. I mean, it was filmed in November, so probably not. It is a dark... I, I wonder if maybe my perspective on it then was affected by the fact that this is our Christmas episode. I think, especially now... Shows have to do a Christmas episode, and we're so used to that, that this was kind of jarring, that it was just like a regular episode and an episode about war that was going to premiere on Christmas Eve. It's just a very, it feels like a very dark choice, and I I just don't think that it was. Uh, Like, I know that it wasn't, but it feels like it was. Maybe they thought there were war wives watching, and they thought this will be kind of comforting for them. I don't know. It was strange. Um, That said... There's a lot about this episode to really enjoy. I love the dueling parties bit where Lucy and Ethel and Ricky and Fred are trying to manage their own surprises. There's a lot of good stuff there. Um, The closet being filled up with all the various guests and kind of being at capacity reminds me of the Marx Brothers. It reminds me of my favorite Marx Brothers movie, which is A Night at the Opera, which I think is so funny. It reminds me of the stateroom scene in that. Um... And, and, and it ends with this great closing of all the people, you know, being in this big mass in the closet. And I, 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 I really loved that. I loved, I loved the little, it was very small. It was kind of slight and the audience didn't even laugh at it or clock it. I think they could have made it bigger, but, um, I love when they run back from putting someone in the closet, uh, they run back into the living room and they kind of slide on the ground into place. It's, it's kind of cartoony. Um, and it's, it's a great way to incorporate the whole body and kind of reset the scene. It's, it's, they're using a lot of great comedic tools here that are super joyous to watch. And these are all great. Also, as your reigning favorite Fred Mertz fan, I loved having his vaudeville career take front and center. Um, I loved having an inkling that the Mertzes care about each other. You know, Ethel is so upset that Fred's going away. And, and Fred is really trying to take care of Ethel when he thinks that she's pregnant. I think this is really nice because especially as we go along, the Mertzes are really complicated, right? They're a really complicated relationship. I was talking about this with my new podcast buddy, Ellie Beatles of the Unsinkable podcast. Hey, um, I know I talk about her like every episode now, I feel like, but whatever. Um, and we were talking about how Fred is really complicated because the Merces are not nice to each other, and Fred is particularly not nice to Ethel as the series goes on. And it's it's hard because they are really funny. And in these early episodes, I'm really enjoying the ride. But I know that coming down the pike, there's going to be a lot of fat jokes, a lot of weight shaming, a lot of meanness. It kind of shows up in this episode a little bit, and then there's a softer edge. So I really responded to this being... Um, kind of about how they like each other deep down. I, I was really happy to see it. It made me happy. Um, I also loved that the, that the men were just as, you know, kind of clueless as the women. It wasn't just like, Oh, Lucy had a misunderstanding and chaos ensued. Everybody was wrong. Right. And it was just this cluster F, you know, it was just a cluster of disaster. Like everybody was wrong. It was just a cluster of disasters. I thought that was great. I just think this is an episode that could have used a couple of punch-ups, some stronger jokes, a bit more zaniness, but it's almost there. 
It's very close, and there's a lot of good to find in it. So now just a few quick historical notes about this episode, because obviously when we're talking about the military, it's important to remember that at this time in history, being a celebrity did not preclude you from serving in the military. Coming out of World War II, which ended in 1945, it was a very different experience. Anyone could be drafted for the military. Fame didn't really have an impact on that. And so we saw famous movie stars getting drafted, famous athletes getting drafted. One of my favorite movies, A League of Their Own, is actually about this very phenomenon. Famous athletes signing up for military service to to go fight the Nazis and getting drafted for military service. And so, uh, you know, Women's Baseball League had to be created to fill that role. And we've talked about this before, about how World War II was pretty unique in the sense that so many men were gone that women were given an opportunity to step up and step into leadership positions in a way that they hadn't before. So Desi Arnaz did serve in the army. He was a staff sergeant for World War, during World War II. And he was very, very proud of his military service. This is something that's really important to know about Desi Arnaz. Part of Desi's career, especially once I Love Lucy took, took kind of hold of America, a lot of Desi's career in his public profile was about how much he loved being an American. He served in World War II for America when he wasn't yet an American citizen. He was still a citizen of Cuba, but he still was drafted for America. He still served proudly. And this was a huge part of his persona that he crafted was, I'm from Cuba, but no one is more American than me. I love America. This was huge for him. And if you saw Being the Ricardos, they talked about that as well. Um, Lucio Ball has a couple comments about that. It was a huge part of his uh, character and his and his mythos. So he was a staff sergeant in the army. He was not cleared for overseas duty. He had a lot of issues, particularly in his knees. There were some cartilage issues. So he actually did not ever see combat. He served predominantly in California as an entertainer. So he entertained troops who were on leave or about to go overseas to fight. So essentially he was responsible for morale, which I can understand how people don't think that that's as important as actually being a body on the ground fighting. And I don't disagree with that necessarily, but it's important to remember that a lot of these people were kids and that they were afraid. And I think having a moment beforehand where someone is performing for them, this was a big deal. This was a big part of the Hollywood effort for the war was to entertain and um, lift the spirits of the people who were going to go liberate camps. And does he, you know, no matter how you feel about war and, and violence, and I am certainly not a fan of violence in any way, shape or form, you know, World War II was, um, and all wars are complicated, but World War II was a was a particular time in American history where um, citizens were really stepping up for each other. And um, I think it's, I don't think that it's any less of a heroic or patriotic action for Desi Arnaz to spend his military service this way. He was drafted in 1942. He served until 1945, towards the end of 1945. He requested a um, discharge in August of 1945, but wasn't honorably discharged until December of 1945. Went back on the road. 
I tried to look up if William Frawley served in the military, but I couldn't find anything. That doesn't mean he didn't serve. That just means that I couldn't find anything. Military records at that time were a little bit difficult. And, um, he would have been of he he would have been too old to serve in World War II, um, but he may have served in World War One, and I don't know what those records look like. But he was also on the vaudeville circuit at that time, so he may have done something similar to what Desi did, just without being enlisted. It's, it's hard to know. Again, the girls of my favorite redhead, I'm sure, will know exactly. Um, But I do think it's relevant as well to note that Fred Mertz's character is a World War I veteran, and this will come up multiple times throughout the series. So there's definitely a military presence in I Love Lucy. It's just a matter of like how much you want to take that seriously. But this episode did air during the Korean War, so it's not unheard of, especially coming out of World War II, that the girls would feel this way. So that's it for Drafted. On Friday, we'll cover the Adagio. And here is the log line for that so you can get excited. When Ricky needs a dancer for a Parisian Apache dance number at the club, Lucy wants to be in it. But her Parisian dance teacher has more than dancing on his mind. Little Pepe Le Pew plot line coming up. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for your patience while I recover. And I know my voice is like nearly there, uh, but I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate if you would take the time to subscribe rate and review on Apple Podcasts. You know the drill. And I'll talk to you on Friday for the Adagio. This week, the Ricardo Project was recorded outside of Niagara Falls, New York. I did, in fact, though, have a beautiful cat sitting next to me. If you'd like to talk to me about anything at all, I would absolutely love to hear from you. I can be reached on Instagram at the Ricardo Project or via email at thericardoproject at gmail.com. As I said, if you enjoyed this episode, please take the time to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. It helps more folks find the show. If you didn't enjoy this episode, I totally get it. I'm not for everyone. You're not listening to this at this point. I hope you have a wonderful week anyway. Have a happy new year.